Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting, where you can find information about adoption, foster care, parenting a child with a capital letter syndrome such as ADD, ADHD, FASD, SPD, on the spectrum, etc., and trauma-informed parenting, all in one place. I'm Kathleen Guire, your host, mother of seven, four through adoption, former National Parent of the Year, author, teacher, and speaker, but more important than any of those things, I'm a parent just like you. I know what it's like to raise kiddos with trauma histories and capital letter syndromes. I used to feel as if I were the only one struggling, and because I felt that way, I isolated myself. I don't want you to feel alone in your parenting journey. So grab a cup of coffee and join me for Trauma-Informed Parenting, a Coffee Break Podcast. Hi guys, Kathleen Guire here. Welcome to Trauma-Informed Parenting. We're back. Used to be positive adoption. There's been a name change, but the same great content. And I'm so excited to be back to this podcast. It's been over a year since our last episode, which was an, yeah, it was an interview with Natalie Vecchione, and it was a really good one, and people are still listening to that today. If you missed that one, go back and grab it and listen to it, but today I want to talk about something that a lot of people are asking about is... Why is my child not listening and what can I do about it? When I surveyed the Trauma-Informed Parenting Facebook group, it's a support group, you can join it, and some of, and my email followers, one of the issues parents of kiddos who have experienced trauma or a capital letter syndrome struggle with is getting kiddos to listen. That is a difficult one. And it can be very frustrating because a lot of times when we are asking our kiddos to do something, it's not just a command, it's for their own good. So I do want to make this point that some of these kiddos have an auditory processing disorder. One of my kiddos struggled with a processing disorder and it just... He would look at me with this blank look on his face, which I thought, uh, you know, that's a little bit of rebellion, or he's checking out and he doesn't want to listen to me and he doesn't want to hear what what I have to say. But the truth is, he wasn't processing it. And I was talking to my daughter about this because um, all of her kiddos are on the spectrum, and... She was mentioning that one of them, she has to use, like, you know, when you say Alexa to wake up your Alexa, you say the name. It's like a word to wake them up, that sometimes kiddos need that. You need to choose a word, whether it's their name, whether you say it three times or four times, and you wait patiently, not that you let your voice raise or that you get angry, but you give them time to process it. And I remember, you know, all of us struggle with processing at one point or another. So if we can keep in mind a time that we did, 
It will help us understand our children better. And one of the times that I struggled with processing was an incident in my high school chemistry class where we were doing an experiment and we had the fire and the little beakers and everything. And I accidentally waved a paper towel over the little flame and it caught on fire very fast. And it was like the whole paper towel was just, it was getting ready to just burn up my fingers and I just froze. I wasn't processing anything and my lab partner, I think that she was yelling at me, but I wasn't even hearing her. And what she had to do was grab that out of my hand and throw it in the sink and turn the water on. And I, I for some reason, that's just very distinct in my memory. And it makes me think about the kiddos who, who have auditory processing disorders, whether that's a label or you've had a test done or you just know it. Sometimes we just know it about our kids. And often if they have fetal alcohol syndrome disorder or SPD or ADHD or ADD, just keep bringing on the capital letters, they may have trouble, they often do, processing information auditorily. And we have to, we have to be aware of that. And I wanted to start with that because I honestly, no one can give you like a three-step formula to get your children to less, listen better, like perfectly. Like if you do these three things, then they're going to listen better and everything's going to be better. But what I wanted to talk about a little bit is, you know, maybe why your child isn't listening. And there are some concrete reasons and they may be different for different children. But I've tried to pick out three common ones that I thought were common denominators probably for every child and maybe for every adult too. So, you know, and I just, I, I also want to plug this in again and make sure that you understand. I know that having a child who's not listening is frustrating and when they're not listening, we feel like we're a broken record on repeat. Maybe you don't know what a, you call them vinyls now, but a vinyl on repeat, 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 repeat. And then our home can feel chaotic because we feel like all we're doing is lobbing out commands constantly and not feeling listened to and not feeling dare I use this word, obeyed, because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm the mom here, I'm in charge, or I'm the dad, I'm in charge, you know, and then we feel like we failed in our parenting, failed that one, can't get anybody to listen to me, and if we take ourselves off of that train of thought, and instead, like in my example of the chemistry experiment, remember that it's not because we are doing something wrong or we failed at our parenting. It may be that our children are not being able to process what we're saying. Okay, so let's just start from there. So everything that we try is, you know, sometimes it just isn't going to work. So like I said, I wanted to talk about some common 
I think common denominators for everyone. But if, if what you're trying isn't working, don't keep doing it. Because doing the same thing over and over and over and over again and expecting a different result is the definition of insanity. Insanity. Yeah. Uh, I'm raising my hand here because I did that for years. And some days I, even after I learned a little bit more about capital letter syndromes and trauma history and brain science, I'd still get in that rut of doing the same thing over and over again. All right. So the first one, and I may not get to all three today, and I'll continue it next week if I don't. But here's the first reason. It might seem very elementary, but it's true, and I see it happen over and over again, is your child is out of their routine. That may be why they can't listen to you. Not they won't, but they can't. And like I said, I know it sounds so elementary that it can't possibly be true, but it is. Especially for kiddos with a trauma history and or, it could be both, a capital letter syndrome. Having a routine is super important in order for them to regulate, even if you're co-regulating for them, with them. Habits help us regulate and use less brain power. All of us adults, too, we use less brain power. We don't get that decision fatigue if we have habits. Then we have the more, pa more power to focus on what is in front of us. And if that's true for us, can you imagine how much more true it is for your kiddo with a capital letter syndrome and or a trauma history? So if their habits have changed just a little bit, they're using their energy, their brain power to focus on these changes, even if they are good changes. I want to make sure that is super clear because we often think, I do this with myself. I'm not good with flexibility. <laughs> I'm not good with change. And often if my husband will say, you know, hey, while we're out going, going out for coffee, that's one of my favorite things, and going to the bookstore or the library, while we're out, let's stop and look at those plants you wanted to look at and do this. And before long, I've got this list of things that I wasn't expecting to do that I want to do. I wanted to do these things but they throw me for a loop and I have to adjust. And that takes energy and brain power. So this switching gears, if it's difficult for you, maybe it's not. Maybe you're one of those people that's super flexible. And if you are, that's wonderful. But if you are, maybe talk to another adult that doesn't switch gears often and say, how does it feel? because your child may not be able to verbalize it. So if you're asking them, maybe if they can verbalize it, they can tell you how difficult it is. But if they can't, then find an adult that you can ask, what's it like to switch gears? How does it make you feel? How does that throw you for a loop? Are you able to listen or hear what people are saying when you have to switch gears? Because I can't. 
So it throws our kiddos for a loop and it puts them into survival mode. And um, I'm just sharing this because I think it's important. I'm a good example of this. Like I was saying, I'm not very flexible. I'm on the spectrum, self-diagnosed just in the last year. I didn't know that about myself. Things make a lot more sense now when I kind of look through the lens of my past through the autism spectrum and all of the ways that I handle things and cope with things and have adjusted things in my life in this past year to under to understand how I function. And it helps me be more empathetic for the kiddos. And it helps me be more empathetic for you to know that I don't listen well sometimes because it's not because I'm not trying to not listen. It's because I can't listen at those times when I am too stressed or in survival mode. So let me give you just a practical everyday example. Let's say the seasons change and suddenly your child, after having a routine of being indoors a lot in the winter and maybe going out sledding once in a while, but he's got this routine indoors that he's doing his reading, his puzzles, his homework, and all of a sudden this, the seasons change and it's warm outside. And then you're going outside a lot and they're enjoying it so much. But you, you have broken the routine. It's still a good thing, but you've still broken the routine. So maybe your kids are out playing in the creek, climbing a tree, riding their bike, and... Your kiddo wants to do all of them within the first hour. And next thing you know, you call for them to do A, B, or C, and he doesn't listen. And you're like, oh my gosh, I let you have like an extra half an hour outside and you're not listening to me. I'm not going to let you come outside again. I mean, let's just be honest. That's sometimes our response. So you repeat the command over and over. Nothing. He doesn't even acknowledge you. He keeps doing what he is doing. Do you know why? Sensory overload. So I've even talked to my daughter who's neurotypical kid. When spring brings that warmer weather and she's outside with her child more and his listening and regulating skills go downhill. And I remind her about being what I call spring tired. It's like a new season. We're out more. We're doing more. We're playing more. And we were having a conversation about that one day. And she was like, oh, yeah. Every year it hits him. And then all of a sudden, he can't listen. He can't regulate. And I'm telling him to come in, come get a drink, come get some food. And it's. It's, if it's difficult for a neurotypical child, imagine how difficult it is for a child with a capital letter syndrome or a trauma history. So not only is their body adjusting to different temperatures, but they are having to switch gears and adjust to a new schedule and more activity. So anytime you have those sorts of changes, listening skills are the first to go and regulation as well. This isn't only about changing seasons. 
It can just be changing a habit or a routine, a change of plans, a change the way you do things. So here's another example. When my kids were little, I had a rotating breakfast menu. My kiddos knew the day we had oatmeal, when we had eggs, when we had French toast, cereal, etc. And often we think of having a set schedule as being confining or punitive. Like we want our kids to be free. We want them to have choices. And if we, if we do let them have choices, then they'll regulate and listen. Well, that's partly true. We do want them to have some choices because everybody needs to develop that skill in their life. But if we give our children too many choices without having a framework or routine, then it's going to make it more difficult for them to regulate and therefore to listen. Because these schedules are actually comforting and they help our kids regulate and listen. Now, are they going to tell you that? No. They're not going to say, I'm so glad you have a menu plan, Mom. I'm so glad that you do this for me. No, they're not going to say that. It's our job as parents to have that framework, that schedule, those habits for them. And it's okay to say, you know, what kind of cereal would you like? We have these two kinds. Or would you like syrup on your French toast or yogurt or peanut butter? It's okay to give them those choices. Those are healthy choices. But when we make everything open-ended, it makes it more difficult. And I have talked to some parents whose kids can't even handle those simple choices, and it overwhelms them. They just need to know this is what's on the schedule. This is what we're doing and we're going to do it. And when you um, don't do those things, then they lose their ability to regulate and to listen. So that's all I'm going to cover for today, and we'll work more on the um, common denominators and why your child isn't listening next week. And thanks for joining me, and I'm so glad to be back on this podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to Trauma-Informed Parenting. Make sure you subscribe on TraumaInformedParenting.com to receive a free resource and receive a newsletter plus updates when books or new courses are released. Also, please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Podomatic, or Spotify and leave a review so other listeners can find trauma-informed parenting and know the value of the show. You're welcome to send me an email to contact at traumainformedparenting.com.